Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. The first reading is Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24 to 27. Listen to the word of God. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is taken from Matthew's Gospel. We are in chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. This is Matthew's account of Jesus being baptized. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Listen again with fresh ears to this word of the Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a speaker tells a story about a mother and her daughter who were shopping at Walmart. And as we can all understand, sun was shining when they went in, blue sky. But while they were in there, the deluge opened up. The skies darkened. And when they were ready to go outside, there was already a group of people sitting there waiting for the rain to let up. And so the six-year-old, little red-headed daughter, freckle-faced, adorable, says, Mom, let's run in the rain. And the mom says, oh, no, 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 we'll get soaked. So they wait another few minutes. People are chatting around, just waiting. And she says it again, Mom, let's go run in the rain. And she said, no, no, we'll get soaked, soaking wet. She says, that's not what you said this morning. And the mom said, when did I say that we could run into the rain and not get wet? And the little girl said, this morning when you were talking with daddy about his cancer, you said if God can get us through this, we can get through anything. Silence. Silence. 
All you could hear now was the rain coming down. And the mom thinks for a moment, and she says, honey, you know what? You're right. Let's go out into the rain. And if God gets us wet, well, then maybe we just needed some washing. And so they run out together, laughing and playing, jumping in the puddles, all the people on the inside watching them. And then one by one, several of them, older adults in different family configurations, they too run out into the rain and start laughing and playing. Maybe they needed some washing too. So today is all about baptism, our understanding of it and our celebration. And so I want to make sure we understand the significance of what it really means to us. So in our Presbyterian tradition, we have two sacraments. We have baptism and communion. And we have those two because Jesus both did them and commanded us to do them on an ongoing basis. So for baptism, we know that Jesus was baptized. All four gospels tell us that. And then at the end of Matthew, whose account we're working in today, Matthew 28, the very last few words he says to the disciples are now go out into all the world, baptizing all nations in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you, and lo, I am with you to the end of the age. That's how Matthew ends. So Jesus both did them and taught us to go out and do the same. So Jesus, at this point in his life, we think he was around 30-ish. All we have in Matthew's gospel, we have some genealogy. And then we have the birth story at Christmas. And this comes right in chapter 3. We see it as a start of Jesus' ministry. John the Baptist was there at the Jordan. We think John was his cousin. Not sure whether John knew him as the Messiah, but knew him as someone significant. Jesus comes. They have this interplay. John recognizes his superiority and says, oh, no, no, no. You need to baptize me. I, I can't baptize you. And Jesus says, yes, this is the will of our Father, our God in heaven, so that all we may live by God's righteousness. John relents. Baptism as Christ is coming out. Sky opens up. The spirit like a dove descends upon them. And then the voice, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. So it starts with this immersion, which is some of the best and symbolic understanding of baptism. How many were immersed in their own baptism experience? Got a couple, got a couple, good, good. We have the freedom to do that as Presbyterians, we just normally don't. One of the things about us is that we do these two sacraments as a family, a church family. So if we wanted to take the afternoon and go down to the Chattahoochee and baptize somebody in a little pocket off to the side or in a raft, perhaps, dunk them in that way, we could do that, but we would have to invite the whole church family to come because you will take vows today for Florence 
on behalf of the larger Christian church, wherever it exists in whatever form, whatever hut, shack, strip mall, church facility, outdoors, wherever people gather to worship Christ, today we will all take vows on their behalf. So in the immersion experience, the understanding is clear. When you go under the water, your old life is gone. And when you rise up, you have new life in Christ. Right, girls? Yeah, absolutely. Uh Oh, she's giving me the eye. Your old life is gone. When you're under, when you rise up, your new life in Christ begins. Let me be clear about this. And others might take exception to this in our Christian, larger Christian family, but we are not saved through baptism. Hear that again. We are not saved through baptism. It is not a presto changeo. It is not an event that before you're baptized, God doesn't love you. And after you're baptized, then God really does. One of the main reasons we baptize infants is so that there's a recognition of God's love with that child from the very beginning. And then they will grow to proclaim Christ and that acceptance. Often it's done through confirmation. That's kind of the bookend. If you're baptized as an infant, then confirmation is that chance where then you claim the faith that your family and congregation took for you when you were a child or an infant. If it was a simple act of baptism to save you, that would be a human process. We do not save people. God saves people. I do not save people. I don't have, nor do I want that kind of power to go out and just because I baptize you, that means that you are saved into God's kingdom. No. That has to do with your belief in Christ, your accepting the gifts of faith and grace that have been given. Baptism is an outer sign of an inner faith. It's the way that we claim the love that God's given us, and in this case, for this child, and to say, God, we love you too, that we are gonna raise and nurture this child as a disciple and in faith, and ask you, the church family, from the very beginning, to stand up and help support this family in Florence directly. You are not saved through baptism. So what else? Why water? Well, very simply, water is cleansing. We know when we bathe, it is the water that we use to help get us clean. It is a sign of that inward cleansing through Christ That is that symbol. Water is a symbol all the way through the Bible. Genesis 1, 2, the very beginning, when the wind comes down over the face of the waters. Water is ever present with us. Then what comes out of creation? New life. Then we have Noah and the flood. The old life is under the water, and then new life emerges after the flood. After Moses brings the Israelites 
As Moses is bringing them out of Egypt, out of slavery, they come through the Red Sea. God parts that. They come through water again. When they come through, they are new people. They have new life. Their old life as slaves is gone. Their new life as God's new children and new people is secured in the wilderness. When Jacob, skipped over Jacob. So when Jacob is getting ready to conquer the promised land, if you remember, Moses takes them all the way through. But when they get there, there's people there. But before they do that, they cross the River Jordan. The Jordan divides just like the Red Sea. God brings them through and they come into the promised land as God's new people. In the New Testament, one of Jesus' big images is when he meets the woman at the well in John's gospel. She's at the well securing water. And Jesus says to her, I have water that you will never thirst again. She says, well, come on, I want it, bring it. And of course, as Jesus often does, he's always speaking on a higher plane about spirituality rather than just the literal words. But he is the life and that living water. Water is an important symbol. And at Jesus' baptism, the sky opens up and the spirit descends like a dove. And so it is that spirit that connects us to God, to one another. And it is the joy of knowing that no matter where we go or what we do, no matter what darkness we find ourselves in or what joy, we know that we are never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever alone. That God is always with us, engrafted in a way that we cannot be broken or torn apart from the body of Christ. What a joy that is. Preach it, sister. So baptism is important. It's a way that we mark the joining officially of a faith community. But again, you will be taking vows not just for this church, and it is not just this church family that grows today, but the larger body of Christ everywhere all over the earth where Christ's name is praised and glorified. So we have to do our part in baptism. It, for many of us, it was done when we were children, and yes, we proclaimed that. But then it becomes, how do we live in response to our baptism? How do we live that claim? If you remember way back to 1981, anybody remember back that far? Hmm. There was a movie called Chariots of Fire. Yes. Da, 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 da. Become a cultural thing. Every time people are running, they break into. Is the story of Eric Liddell who was from Scotland representing Great Britain in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. He was a runner. He was also being trained to be a missionary in China and getting ready to go serve that call. 
Well, the Olympics kind of comes in the middle of that, and mostly when we bring up this movie in reference, it's because he refuses to run his race on a Sunday. His best run is the 100-meter run, and he refuses to compete because it's on a Sunday because of his Christian faith. And so later he does the 400 during the week, wins a gold medal because it was not on a Sunday. But I'm bringing another aspect of that to this. His sister, Jeannie, is with him as they are getting ready for the Olympics to start. They're on this hillside. And she says to him, in essence, I don't like all this time you're putting into this Olympics business. I don't think you're giving God enough credit or glory as you get ready to go into mission work. Now, let's just pause there for a moment. How many of us with siblings that would have made the Olympic team and getting ready to compete would say, uh, are you giving God God's time as you're getting ready to be in the Olympics? Probably not many of us. But his response, Liddell's response to his sister was great. He says, Jeannie, yes, God has made me a missionary for China and that will come. But God has also made me fast and I feel his pleasure when I run. He has also made me fast and I feel his pleasure when I run. Isn't that great? So as a response to our baptism, part of that understanding is to ask ourselves that question. Where do we feel God's pleasure or do we? Are there moments that you think things that you do please God, that God might have a smile or a grin or even a laugh? We all know we fall short. We've already talked about that in confession. We all know that we have moments of darkness and doubt and disbelief, but yet there are moments where we feel connected to God through Christ and the Holy Spirit, where we might even feel God's pleasure in what we're doing. What are those things? That is what I want you to think about. Where do you feel God's pleasure? Where do you feel God smiling with you? Not down on you, but with you as you engage in activities of worship and study and service to others and fellowship and celebration and Bible study groups and fellowship groups and the way that we go into the world and all the things that make us Christians in our journey. Which pieces of that will you feel God's pleasure? And if not, let's find some of those things for you and for all of us. I feel many of those things when we are gathered in a variety of ways, whether it's Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights where we can break bread and talk and visit and get to know one another. I feel it all over. And I hope that you will too. So it's not just that we are baptized, it is that we are to seek to remember that we are baptized and to live to give God pleasure and joy as God sent Christ that our joy may be complete. There's a story of John Buchanan, a retired Presbyterian minister who when he was baptizing a 
three, four-year-old child, put the water on the head, baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are sealed in the Spirit and you are a child of God forever. And the child looks up and says, uh-oh. Response is needed. It means we do need to think about the gifts we've been given of a Savior and a Spirit, God in this life and the next. How do we live our life responding to the gift of baptism? Well, one of the things is that we all in church help hold each other accountable. All the times that each of you have taken vows to be there and help other children to be raised and nurtured, that is a vow that you will make before God today that you have taken. And you live up to that when you teach Sunday school, when you are a youth advisor, when you walk with people in their faith journey, certainly through this faith community. So remember your own baptism. At 845, we did a reaffirmation of baptismal vows because there was no baby. Oh boy, I waited too long. And talk to each other about baptism that you can remember. What do you recall? What does your family remember or do they? Baptism is at the core of who we are. Let's do it.